0: Today's message is gaining the victory, we're in Revelation chapter 12, and I'm actually going to read verse 7 through 12, Revelation 12, and I'm going to read 7 through 12, and it reads, And war broke out in heaven, Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. Let's pray. God, today we pray asking that as we read your word, we wrestle with uh, this passage and what it means for us today. We ask and pray, God, for the guidance of your Holy Spirit. Again, we ask that Jesus would be lifted up, that the gospel would be preached, believed in, and that it would change our lives. May your words be spoken, and and we pray all these things in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, as you all know, recently we had our vacation Bible school here in Mount Pleasant, and um, <clears throat> we had that week, um, Beverly's daughter came, Evie, it was just Evie, right? So uh, I was able to have a short conversation with her, turns out that she was also working while she was here. And so uh, isn't it nice when people can work from their laptop anywhere? I, that's very... Uh, convenient. But she was working quite hard while she was here, at least it seemed like to me. And uh, I had a minute to converse with her about what she does, so I understand she works for Boeing, and selling uh, or doing logistical work, really, for uh, military-grade helicopter parts. So I was was very interested in this, and I started asking her questions about what she did. I thought that was so neat. And so she was telling me how she uh, helps in selling these uh, for Boeing um, to uh, other militaries of other nations, like Israel, for example. I thought, wow, that's great. That's amazing. And so I asked her a little bit more about that, and she talked about how important it is to get the right parts together. And she said there's, there's uh, also uh, another interesting thing she told me is that Uh, when these parts get sold to other countries, they're not the same parts that we sell to the United States. Boeing cannot sell the same exact military parts to other nations, like even Israel, one of our allies, that they sell to United States military. So what's the difference, I asked her. Well, the parts that they sell to other countries, are are for the same kind of helicopter, but some of the parts and the equipment in the helicopters that we sell to other nations are inferior to the ones that are sold to U.S. military. And I thought, wow, that's that's very interesting. So why why is that? And the answer is quite obvious because Boeing has to sell superior military parts to the U.S. Military and inferior parts to other militaries, even though they're still good quality, a high-grade, cutting-edge technology, yet the ones that are sold to the U.S. are superior, and the ones sold to other nations are inferior. And so that guarantees that in any kind of conflict we might have with another nation, or if the parts that we sell— get into the wrong hands overseas. It will guarantee that our military, our uh, helicopters, the parts that we sell are superior and will win us the victory in any conflict or battle that we have. So they thought about this ahead, you know. They realized how important it is in the 21st century, in, in the uh, high-tech culture and time in which we live, how important it is to have these superior weapons in battle. Otherwise, we could lose. But we're almost guaranteed the victory by having these superior weapons. And I think of that, how it relates to our story today, because God has given us a superior weapon against our enemy. God has given us a weapon so p- superior that if we, uh, if we know how to apply and, and use the weapon, if you will, it will guarantee victory 100% of the time. But see, that God's weapon of choice is not... Uh, a bigger gun, or a bigger missile, or a more powerful nuke, or or bigger ships at sea, military ships. But God's choice of weapon is something that we might think in our 21st century minds is almost kind of, uh, you know, impractical. Blood. This is God's weapon of choice. But it's not anybody's blood. It's the blood of the lamb. And whenever this is applied to the soul, whenever this is applied in battle with our enemy, we are guaranteed to win 100% of the time. In our passage for today, we read the central message of one of the most important chapters in all of the Bible. Revelation chapter 12 is kind of an outline of the entire book of Revelation, which is one of the most important books in the Bible, for understanding um, not only the end times, but also the great controversy that we are all involved in. That there is a conflict, a battle, a controversy between good and evil, between God and Satan, And all of us are in that great controversy. All of us must take part in that controversy. And all of us have to choose sides. There's no gray area. There's no middle ground. Everybody has to choose a side. And if we choose not to choose a side, we are by default choosing the wrong side. We all have to make a choice. Now, let's look at something interesting here because in this war that's going on in heaven, we see that there is a battle or conflict between Michael and his angels and he wins over Satan and his angels and Satan is cast out. Uh, And it says here in verse 10 that there is rejoicing in heaven and and that salvation and strength in the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ have come. But why is there this great rejoicing? It's because the accuser has been cast out of heaven. Now, some think that this is talking about when Satan rebelled at the very beginning of this whole uh, war or controversy. Ezekiel chapter 28 and and Isaiah chapter 14, we read about Satan's rebellion, how he's created good at first and then became evil. Um, but this is not actually when Satan was cast out here in Revelation chapter twelve. When was Satan actually finally and completely cast out? Well John chapter twelve and thirty one and thirty three John chapter twelve thirty one and thirty three helps us to better understand this, uh, this timing of Satan being cast out and, and when and how. He was cast out. John chapter 12, 31 and 33. And it says here that now is the Jesus says, John 12, 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. The original word is ekbalo. It means to throw something out or to toss something out. It's the same word that's used in Revelation chapter 12, verse 32. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. So Jesus says, he's basically saying that at the time of his great sacrifice, his crucifixion, now the ruler of this world is cast out. Ekbalo, he's thrown out. So we understand here that Satan was finally cast out at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. But you see, it is important to understand that in a sense, Satan was cast out at the beginning when he first rebelled. But he was allowed to come at certain times before God for certain reasons. So for example, Job chapter 1 and verse 6 It tells us the story of Job and that he was a righteous man. And then in Job chapter 1, we also read that the sons of God came before God to present themselves. And among them came Satan. And he was coming as a representative of this earth. Because Adam and Eve had forfeited that over to Satan when they chose to rebel. Also we read in Zechariah chapter 3 verses 1 and 2, we read that uh, Joshua the high priest is standing before the Lord and Satan is there to accuse Joshua. And so he's there to, to make accusations against Joshua. And then uh, the angel of the Lord says, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. So Satan was allowed at times, like, like maybe a, 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 a child or a teenager or 20-something college-age kid who had been, you know, moved out or thrown out of the house, but still comes around, you know, to get in the refrigerator or ask for money or something. They don't really live there, but they just kind of come around, you know. And this is the situation with Satan. But here's the interesting thing. You see, the interesting thing is... God is allowing him at times to come before his throne and before him in heaven and make accusations against God's people. God is allowing this for some reason. At a certain point, he no longer allows it. You see, the reason is because for thousands of years, Satan actually had a legal, legitimate right to come before God and make these accusations. In God's economy, in his, in his universe, in the way he runs everything, in his justice and, and his, his holiness, you see, Satan did have a right to come before God's throne and make accusations. And the reason is because God had not yet dealt with the sin problem. For all that time. So, you know, here's the interesting thing. Let me go along in my slides here. John chapter 12 teaches us that Satan received the final death blow when Jesus offered himself up as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this is also how we gain the victory. But Satan... There is a time when he tells the truth. Did you know that? You see, when Satan comes before God and Satan accuses us of our sins, you know, brother Adrian did this, or or sister Sharon did that, or so-and-so did this, or so-and-so did that, you know, that's the only time when Satan tells the truth when he tells God our sins. Most of the time, he's the one who leads us into those sins. He's the one who inspires or insinuates or manipulates or whatever he does into these sins. He's telling, it's the only time he ever tells the truth. So, you see, he had a right to be there. God had not dealt with the sin problem. It was only a promise that God had made to deal with the sin problem. He gave illustrations and types that one day the Messiah would come and deal with the sin problem. But God, when He, at the time that God dealt with the sin problem on the cross of Calvary, you see, Satan's accusations could no longer keep us out of heaven. Satan's accusations could no longer keep us from from, uh, 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 that eternal promise that God had made. Because now when Satan makes these accusations, now when Satan brings our sins before God, if we are covered in the blood, God says, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. They are covered in the blood of the lamb. Your accusations hold no weight here. Legally, you have no right to be here any longer. And so he was finally cast out of heaven because Jesus had fulfilled the promise to deal with the sin problem. And his accusations no longer have any weight or merit for those who are covered in the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, I really want to focus on a biblical truth here that every Christian needs to understand. And if we don't understand this truth, we will not make it into the kingdom of heaven. You might be tempted to believe in the lies of Satan, and you might be tempted to give up your faith. You might be tempted to be saved in the wrong way. And the biblical truth is this. It's very simple. We cannot earn our way into the kingdom of heaven. The only way into the kingdom is believing in the blood of the Lamb. Period. No buts, no ands, and no room for anything else. Now, I want to read a scripture on this point, and then I want to read uh, what I think is a very powerful uh, passage here from a book called Faith and Works. Let me read very quickly here from Romans chapter 3 verses 20 through 22. Romans chapter 3, 20 through 22. Romans chapter 3, 20 through 22. And Paul says here, Therefore by the deeds of the law no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. A very, very powerful truth by Paul. To the Jews of his day, they would have shunned him and they would have persecuted him. And and they would have said, no, Paul, that's that's not true. But he's trying to establish here the foundations of the gospel. And as I was going, I'm going through my uh, in my personal devotion. I'm going through the book of Romans and I have this reference here in my Bible. I want you to look at this, uh, this a passage here from the book Faith and Works, page 18 by Ellen White. It's very, It has a lot of depth to it. It says, There is not a point that needs to be dwelt upon more earnestly, repeated more frequently, or established more firmly in the minds of all than the impossibility of fallen man meriting anything by his own best good works. Salvation is through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Faith in works, page 18, uh, and that's paragraph th- 3. She says there is not a point, there's not a doctrine, not a teaching, not, not anything that the Bible presents us that needs to be dwelt upon more earnestly and repeated and established than this truth, than the reality that it is impossible for us to merit or earn anything by our own best good works. Salvation is through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Is that difficult to understand? A child could understand this. A 10-year-old could understand this. And herein lies the power behind the victory that God's people will experience at the end of time. Now, I think this would be a good quotation, maybe to copy in one's Bible. As a matter of fact, when I came across that quotation, I copied it in the leaflet of my Bible here. Now, the word salvation here implies that we are sinners, that we are lost and we need to be saved. But the only way to be saved is to put our faith in that blood, the blood of the Jesus. The Jesus. There is absolutely no room for anything else. Now, here in Revelation chapter 12, this, uh, this loud cry that comes from whoever it is that, that is proclaiming this victory, they say that Those who overcome, they overcome by the blood of the Lamb. But that's not the end of their proclamation. They also say that they also overcome by the word of their testimony. So here on the first part of this message, in the first part of this sentence, we are talking about salvation, the process of being saved. But in our text for today, we read that there are two things at work here in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11. One is salvation and the other is sanctification or the process of becoming more like Jesus. Becoming good, holy, pure, and righteous. We call that sanctification. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word God of their testimony. The second part of the sentence is just as important as the first part. And this helps us to understand that at the end of time it is important to be able to express our faith in words, to be able to testify why we believe what we believe. Can you do that? Not what the pastor believes, or what the spouse believes, or what the parents believe, or what the church believes, but to say, this is why I believe this from the word of God. This is why I live this way. This is why I believe in Jesus. And to say, I can at least share a scripture or two on the most important things concerning my faith. Because at the end of time, God's people... Overcome by their testimony as well as by the blood of the Lamb. Can we do that? Now this can be very simple truths. With simple words and simple ideas. It should be simple enough that we can teach or explain it to a child. Now if our testimony is important. It's important To have a good testimony. Amen? Amen. Think about that. If our testimony is important, it is important to have a good testimony. We must be careful not to ruin our testimony for Jesus Christ. Because when we ruin our testimony for Jesus Christ, well, then people start thinking, maybe we're not Christians after all. Or maybe Jesus is not all he's worked up to be. If we tell people about Jesus, if we tell people about our faith, if, if we tell them all of these things, but we don't live like Jesus, we don't look like Jesus, we don't act like Jesus, well, then we're ruining our testimony. If we're ruining our testimony, it brings into question, are we really covered in the blood of the Lamb? And the whole thing, is brought into question. Now, let's look briefly at this word testimony for a moment. The word testimony here in the Greek, it is the word in the original language, martureo, which means to witness, give evidence, or have a, a reputation. And if you want to go deeper This word can have an important meaning uh, in in the courtroom. It can be like, uh, uh, you know, testifying to uh, become justified in the courtroom. It can be used in that way as well. So this word martyreo is what is the word testimony, now, just kind of thinking here about testimony and witnessing and they overcome and all this stuff. Does the word martureo? does that sound like any word we have in English to you? Martyr. Maybe the word martyr. That's right. It's the same word. Actually, that's where we get this word from. That's why you, you're hearing the word martyr here. It's the same thing. Now, what do we think of when we think of a martyr? Do we think of a passive Christian? Do we think of somebody who just, you know, um, just not very dedicated or devoted to God? When we think of martyrs, I don't know about you, but when I think of a martyr, I think of somebody who's giving up their life for Jesus Christ. Somebody who's rotting away in a prison or a jail who has been beaten or has been thrown out of their house for the name of Jesus Christ. Somebody who's under a lot of stress, because of their faith it's not a passive christian it's usually somebody who suffers persecution or even death that's why the rest of the verse in revelation 12:11 says they did not love their lives even to the death now are we ready to suffer and die for jesus are we ready to suffer and die for jesus Now, it's hard to answer that question here now, because which of us are being that persecuted for our faith? Living in this, you know, supposedly Christian nation with a good Christian background, with all the freedoms that we enjoy. But the day will come, won't it? The day will come. And we have to be ready, we have to be prepared and it's important also to know that God is going to prepare his people. Okay, scripture and the spirit of prophecy help us to understand God. we don't have to make some kind of artificial persecution for ourselves to prepare ourselves. Okay, God is going to prepare his people. But the only way to be ready to lay down our lives for Jesus when that time comes is if we are ready to lay down our lives right here now. Today, in the smaller things in life. I'd like to read here from Galatians 20 and, uh, I'm sorry, Galatians 2. There's not 20 chapters in Galatians. Galatians 2, 20 and 21. And then also Romans chapter 6. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Paul is saying, I'm dead. I've died. Now Christ is living in me. I'd also like to... uh, Romans chapter 6, 11, and 12. I just have it on the screen here. It says, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be what? Dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. So God is calling us to this kind of death every day, this struggle between self and, and the spirit. Between sin. And 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 holiness. There's this struggle that is. Going on in God's people. This battle. This conflict. That is happening individually. Every day. And it will play out. In a much larger way. As we get to the end of time. We will see those. Who have been experiencing. Victory. Now. Today. Before. The persecution comes. Those who who have been covered in the blood of the Lamb and have the word of their testimony. God is calling us to die every day because God wants us to share in his victory. I wish I had time to talk more about this. I wish I had time to talk about the importance of of having the Spirit of God controlling our lives to have the word of God memorized and hidden in our hearts when we come into conflict with Satan every single day. But I don't have time. But I just want to say this. Think of everything that Jesus has done for us so that we can experience that victory. You know, recently they had the Tokyo Olympics. Um, After a year of delay... They had it amidst COVID and all these other things. There's pretty, some pretty amazing stories that came out of the Olympics. But one that caught my interest, I thought was pretty amazing, is the story of uh, these two men. I don't know if you uh, heard what happened with these high jumpers for the Olympics. Um, the one on the left there, that man is from Italy, and his name is Tambury. And the one on the right, his name is uh, Mutaz Barshim, and he's from Qatar in the Middle East. And it actually so happened that these men were uh, the world's best high jumpers. They're competing at the Olympics. And what happened was is that they, in their competition, they kept raising the bar, so to speak. And, you know, the high jump is, you can see on the right here, they run as, 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 as best as they can, and then they jump over backwards these, this uh, bar and they try not to touch the bar so as not to, uh, the bar doesn't fall over. If they can clear the bar, then they've made the jump. So they were competing, they kept raising the bar, and it turns out that they both got to the same point in the competition that they were both so good that they had to stop for a moment and they had to say uh, i uh, you know you're, they're basically they're they're doing their best they they were breaking records and then they said we keep doing this uh, jump off is what they were doing they kept going higher and higher and higher and they couldn't figure out who the best high jumper was so they came to the man and they said they were going to give him some options we can continue the jump off and then the man on the right here um, Mr. Mutaz, he actually asked the referee, is it possible for us to both share the medal? And, he's, and the uh, official looks at him and says, yes, that's possible. So what actually happened was they decided to share an Olympic gold medal, to g- both be Olympi- Olympic gold medalists in Tokyo. And so uh, both of them shared the gold medal together. And the Italian gentleman was so excited. You know, he jumped in his arms, and then he's rolling around on the ground. He couldn't believe he was an Olympic gold medalist. But they decided to share that medal together. And it actually turns out, I learned later on, that these two men are very good friends. They actually compete, and they're friends when they're not in the Olympics, And so it would have come very naturally for this man to suggest to share the medal with his friend, Mr. Tambury. So now you can see pictures of them. Together, they both are the Olympic gold medalists. Isn't it amazing in such a competitive uh, atmosphere they decided to share the medal? Isn't that beautiful? You know... Jesus wants to share his victory with us. He wants us to get the gold, so to speak. He wants us to overcome everything that he has achieved, he wants to give to us. But we have to understand, we are completely and totally dependent upon Jesus Christ for every single victory that we win from here all the way to the end of time. Once we have been saved by the blood of the Lamb All the victory and all the power of heaven is on our side, and we cannot lose. And we can begin to have victory in all areas of our life, not just at the end, but today, including trials, persecution, temptation. We learn from this passage that God's people are now on the front lines. People are watching us to see what our testimony is like. All eyes are on us to finish this fight of faith. God in heaven, we worship you and we thank you today, Lord, for this redemption that we have in Jesus. God, may we be your witnesses and testify to our Savior and our King. God, I want to pray for anybody here today who is struggling, Lord, to have victory over sin victory over temptation, victory over trial or persecution. Anybody who's struggling uh, in, their, in their family life or with finances or health, whatever it is, God, we ask and pray for the victory in Jesus. Show us how to have victory, God, and may we proclaim that victory uh, that we have in our Savior as we live Thank you, God. Please dismiss us today with your blessing. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.